Podcast by Committee is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And let me just point out, if you're not into games, if you want to get maybe you know some theater tickets, some music tickets, maybe there's a concert you got your eye on, GameTime messes with all of that too. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. And welcome to Podcast by Committee, the greatest show ever for fantasy players. Uh, this week, we're bringing back a soothsayer, Chris Perkins from the Miami Dolphins. He covers the, the Dolphins for the Athletic Miami. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Perk. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. And how about that time you said the Dolphins were going to win three games like 16 weeks ago? Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? I, I didn't know what three games it was going to be, and I, I definitely wouldn't have picked uh, last week against Philly, and I definitely wouldn't have picked on the road at Indianapolis. But look, uh, Brian Flores has these guys believing that they're a you know reasonable NFL team. They won three of their last five games. You look at the running back situation where Kalen Balazs hasn't done anything. Kenyon Drake is off the team. You look at the wide receiver situation where Kenny Stills is, is uh, traded uh, early. Uh, Jakeem Grant goes down. Preston Williams, the undrafted rookie who was the leading receiver, he goes out with injury. You look at the quarterback situation where Ryan Fitzpatrick, statistically, he's not doing that well, but just kind of spiritually, he's also got these guys believing that they are a decent, normal, quote-unquote, NFL team and NFL offense. I, I I don't know how these guys are three and nine right now. I really don't, because if you look at this roster, there's not much there. But, uh, yeah, they, they got their three wins, and I, I said they would have the three wins, but just not exactly these three wins. Oh, just take it, man. Take a bow. We're giving you you the stage, please. (laughs) And you know what? You almost beat Washington. I mean, that could that could have you could have had four at this point. Yeah, it's it's incredible, isn't it? And and really, you know, if if you look at at how this team is winning, because we we talked to the um, to the assistant coaches today, the, the the two coordinators, Chad O'Shea, offensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, and all the position coaches. We get to talk to them once a month. Today was the day. And, and I'm just I'm, I'm asking these coaches, how you know, how in the world? And and they keep giving me this. Well, we, we work hard and, and, you know, it's a selfless team and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, no, it it like, like goes beyond that. I can't I can't quite put my finger on it. And, you know, I, I wrote uh, Sunday that I, I guess it's either system, which you would think would mean coaches or it's talent, and and maybe we've underestimated, or I've underestimated the talent on this team. Maybe more than because I, I was just thinking like, yeah, there's maybe fifteen or twenty guys on this team that are legitimate NFL players. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe there's like, you know, 35, 40 guys on this team who are legitimate NFL players. So I, I don't know if it's system or talent, but but three and nine, I. I, you know, that's 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 one of the better jobs in the NFL by players and coaches this season. And I mean, like you you went down that list of, of the kind of the, the crazy stuff that's happened that people have gotten hurt. 
and you skipped like half of it too. Like, the, like the Mark Walton suspension, and then like the terrible stuff on top of that. Um, uh, Kenyon Drake being traded mid, you know, like it, the the ascension of Alan Hearns and Mike Gesicki back to like kind of what we thought they were going to be. Like Devontae Parker's on another level right now. Um, but you have it must be great like with your job right now because you can just close your eyes, throw a dart, and you've got a storyline, man. Like it's just like you go so many directions with this team right now. <laughs> No, you're you're exactly right because yeah, you would you would think it would kind of be the opposite where eh, who wants to read about this dude? But yeah, the the stories are are pretty they're pretty impressive, right? When you look at guys such as Mike Gesicki and Devonte Parker and as you said, Alan Hearns. Heck, Hearns was one of those dudes who I said they had some reclamation projects on this team, and I counted the three former first round picks, none of whom were picked by the Dolphins, right? Uh, Josh Rosen. Robert Kimdichi and Taco Charlton. And then you had the, the guys who are coming from off-field issues. Uh, in Alan Hearn's case, it was injury. And in Mark Walton's case, it was being a knucklehead. And uh, look, Alan Hearns is, is, is one of the guys who has come out on the other end, right? And, and I'm not sure that I would have predicted that he would have been the one. Taco Charlton leads the team with five sacks, but Josh Rosen hasn't done anything. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a pretty good mix of stories when you when you look at it um, when when you look at a guy such as Preston Williams undrafted free agent and Devonte Parker and and his career is coming back heck even Ryan Fitzpatrick who you know he is what he is right but that's a good thing for this team that's a much better thing than what Josh Rosen has because when Fitz is out there, this team really believes that it has a chance. It feeds off of his energy. When he makes a good play and flexes toward the sideline, everybody smiles and laughs and they get more confidence that, yeah, if this old guy can get out here and run somebody over for a first down, who knows what I can do? So, uh, yeah, all, all of these stories, there, there are a lot of good stories. They're low-key stories, I think, nationally, but especially locally. It's it's some pretty good stuff from this Dolphins team. Yeah, they, like a fantasy player, I think. Like, I want to watch these games. I want to watch the Dolphins play. It's, you know, you, you've got a gunslinger quarterback, like you said, and it's, he seems like he's hyped up, and he's 37 years old. And, I mean, it, it's yeah. just, I don't know. It's cool. It's uh, it's fun. Um, and I don't even know where to begin with, with like, some of these, these questions that I have ready. But I think, I think Josh Rosen, maybe because a lot of people who might be listening now might be in dynasty leagues, might be playing for next year, the year after – uh, what I, I guess I could just leave it open like this. What's the deal with Josh Rosen? Like, this oh, it's, it's not a good deal from Josh's standpoint because look, you have to figure at, at some point the Dolphins are going to draft a quarterback next season, whether it's in the first round or you know, even in the top five, or if it's in the second round or whatever. At this point, you kind of have to figure Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be back, right? And so Josh Rosen probably he opens camp number two at best behind Fitzpatrick. And by the time the season starts, because you would want to get a look at the youngster, uh, Rosen might be number three on this depth chart. That's kind of the way it, it, it's looking right now. He really hasn't showed anything tangible or intangible like he's not throwing a great 15 yard out or he's not getting this team to believe in him there there's nothing that he has done where you go all right we've got to take another look at this guy this year or we've got to give him a a, a open shot next year coming into camp I mean they're gonna say it's open but I, I would think Fitzpatrick definitely gets the nod over him whether it's for a starter or for a backup so yeah, it's not looking good for Josh Rosen. And the question has come up, but 
specifically before they beat the Eagles, should the Dolphins go back to Josh Rosen? And I kept saying no because, look, the things that Fitzpatrick does or is doing has them believing in the Brian Flores philosophy, right? Because once Fitz gets out there and he gives them confidence and he actually leads them to victories, that reinforces everything that Flores is teaching. If Josh Rosen is out there, I know they don't have three victories, and I don't think they have this kind of confidence, this kind of belief. And and once you lose that with a first-year coach and, you know, you're looking at maybe a, a you know, 1-11 record or whatever, well, everything that Flores is teaching and preaching goes out the window because players aren't seeing results. So uh, that's the other thing that works against Josh Rosen. Ryan Fitzpatrick, through his play and through his actions on and off the field, he gets this team believing. That gets them believing in what Flores is preaching. And then you see the results, three victories. Uh, Rosen can't capture that kind of stuff. Is I mean, is that something that Rosen can kind of like, like a Fitzpatrick, I guess, can pull him aside and be like, listen, man, this is how you got to do it? Because, I mean, I, I never got the feeling that like, like Rosen's like a bad guy or like a locker room cancer or anything. Is this just, you know, he's 22, he doesn't know how to do it yet. And, you know, maybe with some confidence, he can still be good, or is this just like, uh, you know, not Ryan Leaf, but like a Ryan Leafy situation where it's just kind of like <laughs> take the loss, man. Like we were all wrong. I like that Leafy situation. I like that. <laughs> you know, everyone's different. <laughs> right, right. It, it, you know what? Unfortunately for Josh Rosen, is is kind of looking that way. I, you know, I, I'll say this for Josh that. I don't think that he's quite gotten a fair shake when you look at what he had in Arizona and he goes three and 13 there. I, I think three and 10 technically uh, in his stars with Arizona. Um, he does not win here in the Dolphins, but in either case, he's not surrounded by good players. Um, so it, it, it's, it becomes more of what can you do, Josh Rosen, to get this thing started as opposed to what can you do to be a contributing factor to, to the to the offense working. There's a whole lot more on Josh. Having said that, Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing it, right? And, and, I, and yeah. I, I just have to think, if, if, if you can't execute to the level of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm not sure you're an NFL starter. I, I, and and that's, that's really nothing against Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's the guy that sells with, with what he has. But if you are a young quarterback and you can't beat out this 37-year-old who's, you know, he's a – He's a decent quarterback. If you can't beat him out, um, you've you've got to worry about your future as a starter in this league. So, yeah, I I really don't think Josh Rosen is better than than Ryan Fitzpatrick either in the uh, tangible or the intangible, and that that leaves Josh in a tough situation, man. How about a, how about another young guy, Miles Gaskin? Um, Kalen Balaj has been bad. And now he's hurt. And I like, I don't know if he's going to play this week uh, or, or what the deal is. I guess maybe you could answer that if you have any kind of feeling. But um, it looks like Patrick Laird is more like that pass catching back. It isn't like your typical runner. Um, you know, Drake and Walton are both gone. Is is it smart if a fantasy player is like, well, it looks like Gaskin's going to get, you know, maybe like 15 to 20 touches this week? Or, or is there some other plan or maybe some other practice squad guy who might get called up and have an impact? How, how's that going to look for the next couple of weeks? I, I wouldn't I, I would pick up uh, Miles Gaskin. I don't know how effective he's going to be, but look, like you said, somebody's got to get these carries. And Patrick Laird is more of a receiving pass catching running back. He's not a he's not a toted, you know, 12, 15 times a game type of a guy. Miles Gaskin is the next one in line. They do have another running back to Lance Turner, who is mostly special teams. He was with Baltimore last year. Um 
can't remember where he went to college, but um, he, he was undrafted with the Ravens. And, and um, I, I don't know that uh, he's ready to get a whole lot of work right now. So it probably does fall, fall on onto uh, Miles Gaskin. I'm not sure Miles Gaskin is ready for the work either, but he's the next guy in line and the, and the situation is there for him. So I would say he's, he's going to be, the leading ball carrier, uh, the way it looks right now. We don't know anything about Kalen Balage. They didn't know anything yesterday, and then today we didn't talk to Brian Flores. It was just the assistant coaches today. So uh, we don't know about Kalen Balage, but the, the combination of Balage's injury, however severe it is, plus his production, I mean, right, the dude is terrible. He's, he's just flat out terrible this season. Um, yeah, they, they've got to have somebody else running that ball. And, and I would say that Miles Gaskin would be the guy now. You know, Gaskin is a little slight in frame, but he's fast and he's quick. And, um, you know, I, I thought he, he might have danced around a little bit uh, last week. Uh, quite honestly, I was doing another story during the game on the uh, Fox Sports <laughs> broadcast crew. And, and yeah, I read that. That was great, by the way, man. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, by the way, on that, I, I am uh, doing a beer journal, so that that might pop up at the, at the end of the season. But uh, I can't wait. But back to, yeah, that no, you guys are contributing. That's great. Uh, but back to Gaskin, yeah, I, I I thought that you know the the few glimpses that I caught of him, I thought he he might have been a little hesitant hitting those holes. But um, from what we saw of him at, at Washington. And uh, I, I thought he was okay in the preseason. Laird was the guy who, who came out of nowhere uh, more than Gaskin in the preseason. But um, I, I think there's some potential there for Gaskin, especially if you're just, uh, what, in fantasy, you're looking at like a three-game set for the, for the playoffs, right? So, um, you know, I, I would say if you're, if you're in a situation where you need somebody or if you just want to kind of take a flyer and think, yeah, maybe, I, I would say that Miles Gaskin would be a, a good guy to take there. Like, is Balaj like, I know you said he's bad, but, like, is he bad? Or, like, is there, like, just he needs, like, one big run to break out and be like, okay, I'm good again. Because, I'm like, preseason, man, people loved him. They liked him more than Drake. They thought Balaj was going to be the guy. Coaches are saying all these positive things about him. And he's, he hasn't been, he's been, like, historically bad. Like, I think there's, like, some, yeah, about how, how low his yard per carry average is. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. He, he has he has been historically bad. That's always when you attach that to it. That's that's always yeah, what you bring historically in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, and and you know what? And I can't figure this out because uh, you know in in the preseason there was that question of is it going to be Kenyon Drake? Is it going to be Kalen Balage? It became obvious to everybody. I think in preseason and training camp, the coaching staff loved Kalen Balage's combination of speed and size. And he was a guy who had hit a hole very quickly, unlike Kenyon Drake. That was why Kenyon Drake lost carries to Frank Gore last season, because Gore would just hit that hole and get you the four yards. Drake would kind of dance around and, and try to house it. And in the process, he would have a lot of negative carries. Well, Kalen Balaj was different from that. Kalen Balaj was picking up his pass protection assignments. He was catching the ball. He, he didn't look like he was a pro bowler, but he looked like he was going to be better than, than Kenyon Drake. And, and once the season started, I, I really don't know. He dropped a couple of passes. He had a couple of low production games. And I, I, I guess maybe his confidence just escaped him. But uh, there, there's been a lot of things that Kalen Balaj has done this year where you just look and you go, that's not the Kalen Balaj that I thought I was going to see. However, if you really think about it, 
Kalen Balazs' optimism and hope was built on one run last season, that 75-yard run at Minnesota. Aside from that, he was he was fairly average. He, you know, you you thought maybe he could step in given the opportunity, but quite honestly, uh, this guy has never really done it for a consistent three, four, six, eight-game basis. So I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised at, 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 at what we saw. But at, like you say, anytime you bring the phrase historically into it, <laughs> it's uh, and in this case, it, it, it's definitely not a good thing. So I, I, I can't tell you what happened to Kalen Balaj, but uh, I, I would I would suspect uh, a loss of confidence is at the is at the head of the list there with him. Well, I mean, meanwhile, I got the historically good Devontae Parker as of late, who's just been destroying everything in his path. And uh, I think when the dust settles, his season line is going to look great. Um, Two-part question here. Uh, I, like, I'm assuming this is Ryan Fitzpatrick finally like, chucking the ball to him and, you know, as a deep threat. He can burn and just catch whatever. But, you know, this week they got the Jets. Is, is this going to be kind of like a Devontae Parker revenge game against Adam Gase? Is, does, is, there, is there like a blame on Adam Gase for kind of holding back Devontae Parker these last few years with his, his quote-unquote offensive genius? Or is this just Devontae Parker with the right quarterback finally like catching his stride at 26 years old, hitting a peak and like turning it on? Well, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. If you remember last season when uh, Devontae's agent uh, writes this letter and just rips Adam Gase and saying that the guy is incompetent and his client is healthy and why he's inactive, he doesn't know. Adam Gase doesn't know what he's doing. At least for Devontae's agent, I tell you, this is going to be a revenge game <laughs> right. now that Devontae is playing so well. You know, interestingly enough, I, I, I talked to uh, Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki last week and, and did a story on, you know, whether they're ready to turn the corner, whether they're ready to deliver on their, their uh, pre-draft hype. And Devontae was the best interview that I've had with Devontae in, in five years. He was laughing. He was smiling. Uh, it, it helped that, um, you know, his, his buddy Jakeem Grant was was around and, and uh, chirp chiming in and everything like that. But Devontae is, is, has been really upbeat this season. And, and I think that part of it is kind of that pressure of being a first round pick is off of him right now that he's, he's uh, kind of been in the, the second part of his career or the middle part of his career. He's off that rookie deal. Um, and, and there's no big talk of the, the, the big dollar extension and the disappointment that he's been. He's just kind of like a football player in the NFL now. And, and, and uh, I, I think that that's helped him tremendously. And really along those lines, you know, I, I was asking Devontae, I was saying, look, you know, your career numbers are not that bad. Um, you know, it, they're not great, but they're not that bad. And I said, if you were a third round pick instead of a first round pick, do you think perception of you would be different? And he said, yeah. He, he said, you know, once you're that first round pick, everybody puts these expectations on you and they think you're never supposed to get hurt. And when you do, you're supposed to be playing at 100% still. And, and he was saying, you know, I would like to see a lot of these fans go through 16 games and not be injured and play even if they do have an injury. And he was saying, you know, that that a high ankle sprain is, is something serious and, and people don't understand that. Uh, so he he did have a little stuff to say about the perception of him and and everything like that. But the, the really positive thing was he was saying that he's healthy now and he's taking care of his body. And if you'll remember, Adam Gates took him to task publicly about being unprofessional, his diet. He doesn't get enough rest. He, he doesn't do his homework. He doesn't work hard enough. And Devontae was saying, you know, he's got all that stuff on track now. Plus, he's healthy and you're seeing what he can be. 
And I'll say this about Devontae. One thing that we saw last week consistently that we haven't seen is Devontae high-pointed those passes and Devontae fought for the ball. And that's been another big criticism. Both of those things have been big criticisms of Devontae, even when healthy and out there, is that he's a guy who is 6'3", but he played like he was like 5'11". But, you know, on, on Sunday, you saw the athleticism, you saw the, the run after catch, you saw the good hands, you saw the route running, you saw Devontae put it all together. So I, I like Devontae, and, and, and uh, I, I think the criticism of him has been fair and it's been well-deserved, but maybe he's turned the corner right now. Hey, Chris, when you have a team like this where it's like, I mean, he had 159 yards and two touchdowns last week. If you're a coach going in, you're like, let's stop Devontae Parker. Um, but, you know, he's, he's getting 10-plus targets his last four games. Uh, let's say that, like, the Jets and the Giants and, I guess, the Bengals and the Patriots are like, we're going to lock down Devontae Parker and kind of hold him at bay. Does that trickle down now to, to Albert Wilson? Is that Alan Hearns? Is that Mike Gesicki? Is, it gonna be just, is there not going to be, like, a guy who gets those 80 to 100 yards is going to be spread out a little bit? Or is there, like, a, a very solid number two who's going to be, like, the alternative to Devontae Parker if a team can try and contain him? I would say Mike Gesicki would be the the top candidate to fill that role if a team tries to shut down Devontae and put a lot of attention on him because Gesicki is a guy who, such as Parker, now you're starting to see the things that you thought about pre-draft. You're seeing from Gesicki the, the seam route. You're seeing the athleticism. He's able to go up and get the ball. He's able to make a run after catch. He's showing the good hands. He's showing the reason why he was a second-round draft pick. With both of these guys, I do have to say, with Gasicki and Parker, I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a large part of this. And Fitz is a veteran quarterback. And, and you know, uh, actually, Fitz, Fitzpatrick and, and Mike Gasicki are, are pretty good friends. You know, they, they hang out together. And so maybe that's had something to do with it. I, I, you know, I did ask Fitzpatrick about Gasicki last week, and he was saying, look, I, I think the kid is right on schedule. First-year tight ends quite often don't do that well in the NFL. There's a lot of stuff to figure out, and now Gasicki is in his second year, and you're kind of seeing it click. But I do think that um, on the field and off the field, Fitzpatrick has had a very good effect on, on Mike Gasicki, and I, I think it's given him some confidence so that, even next season, if Fitzpatrick is not the starting quarterback, I think Gasicki is in a better position to grow and excel and, and kind of reach his potential than if this had been Josh Rosen this whole time. And I, I, I think that's the case for Devontae and for Gasicki. But with, with Gasicki specifically, yeah, if, if Devontae gets shut down, I, I think he's the number two option. And look, he might be ready to deliver. Uh, he's had a, a touchdown each in his last two games, the, the first two touchdowns of his NFL career. Uh, like I said, and, and look, here's the other thing they're doing with Gasicki. And, and, you know, if you talk to coaches, Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, or, or George Godsey, the tight end coach, they'll tell you that Gasicki – he understands the game better now that allows him to run better routes to understand how and, and how to get open and why he gets open. And the offshoot of that is now they can move him around a little bit more. They can have him in the slot. They can have him in line. They can line him up out wide. And the sicky kind of understands more now, uh, how do I get open 
And, and this is why I got open last time. Here's how they're playing me. Here's what I can do off of that. And I know I'm on the same page with my quarterback because I've been talking to him about it. So it, it's kind of been a, a all-around awakening for Gasicki. But um, I, I I think he, he might have a 100-yard game in him before this season is over the way that he's been developing so far. It's kind of funny, like in a different context, a 37-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick and a 24-year-old Mike Kosicki yeah. hanging out is kind of weird. It, it, but here's like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Quarterback in the stadium. Right, right. It's, it's one of the weirdest alignments uh, on the team because, right, you wouldn't think and, – and, you know, look, uh, Fitz has, uh, what, seven kids – and, and uh, you know, Gasicki is, is a, a young guy with, you know, as far as I know, he's not married, no kids. And so, yeah, you would think their off-field interests are, are quite different. But um, for some reason, these two guys get along. And, and you know, really with, with Fitz, I, I think that that's kind of one of his strong suits and one of the biggest things that – that he's done for this team is that he's able to reach out and communicate with a lot of different guys on a lot of different levels. I mean, Fitz to me is the MVP of this team and it's, uh, it's probably a a good distance between him and whoever the number two on that list would be. Uh, But I I, I do give Fitz a lot of credit for, uh, for, for the the emergence of of Gasicki and, and Devontae Parker, because he knows how and and where to throw the ball to those guys. And I, I don't know if, if they just didn't click with Tannehill on the on the abstract level or on the concrete level, but uh, Fitzpatrick has, has managed to do this. And and I do think for both of those guys, again, Devontae and, and Gasicki, that even if Fitz is not the quarterback next season, they've learned so much from him and they've gained so much confidence that that both of them could be ready to take it to, let's just say, pre-draft expectation level. Um, you know, this is a random question that doesn't follow any train of thought we've had, but uh, Jim Caldwell's on the staff as his assistant head coach. I think he, he's got a, he's got one of those vague kind of titles. Um, has he had any influence? Like just kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm a guy here who's got a lot of head coaching experience. Feel free to lean on me, Brian Flores, in your first year and kind of like this young and experienced staff. Is, has he been like a calming influence or like, a you know, a wise old man kind of guy? Or is he just kind of doing his thing? It, like, does he have any role in the Miami Dolphins having this nice run here? We don't know that. We we know that uh, the coaches, uh, both both uh, Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea, the offense coordinator, when we ask about uh, Jim Caldwell, they'll say, yeah, we've been in touch with Jim and Jim helps us out and he watches film and, and he's always chiming in with with uh, ideas and tips and things like that. But, yeah, that that's a good question. I, I would think that his role has been very minimal uh, so far just because you don't hear the players talking about him very much. Quite often, if you talk to players, the, the phrases that they use and, and uh, the, the ways that they tend to look at things have been fed to them by the coaches or it's been something that, that um, you know, the, the coaches have, have hammered on and, and maybe even a specific coach. But we haven't really had any players say, yeah, Caldwell suggested this or I talked to Caldwell and he told me that. So I, I would think that Caldwell's role has been uh, has been minimal. And it, it's that's another interesting uh, facet of this team and this offense. When you talk about all the the, the uh, personnel losses, Caldwell was among the first uh, when he took his uh, leave of absence during training camp for health reasons. And you thought, man, this this is like the, the best quarterback guy on the staff. What in the world is going to happen? And 
look, we've seen that that Fitz has been able to do it, and and we've seen that uh, Jerry Shopinski, the uh, the assistant quarterbacks coach, Jim Caldwell was technically the quarterbacks coach. Uh, Shopinski has has stepped up. Chad O'Shea has stepped, and so uh, they they've done a pretty good job without Caldwell. It's 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 been amazing to to kind of look at the development of the coaching staff too, because a lot of the players are in these roles as starters for the first time. So a lot of the coaches from from Brian Flores, first time head coach, Chad O'Shea, first time offensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, first time defensive coordinator. And and here was Jim Caldwell, the guy with all the experience, and and he hasn't been around that much. And these coaches have, have managed to pick it up. I, I would think that um if Caldwell is healthy and able to return on a full-time basis, uh right now his biggest his biggest contribution would probably be quarterback evaluation for the draft. Um, I don't think that he would, uh, you know, I don't think that he is his influence on the last four games of this season would be that great at, at this point, but quarterback evaluation for the draft. I, I, I think Caldwell, if healthy enough, that's how he could make his big contribution for the season. Man, that, uh, you know, it's crazy. I honestly asked that question, not realizing Caldwell hadn't come back from the leave of absence, man. I just assumed, you know, like, Two months later, he came back. Everything's fine. I didn't realize he'd been gone, gone, still on the leave this whole time. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a really uh, it's a really, I, I you know I don't know if, if if unexpected I guess unexpected outcome for this for this team. I was going to say strange, but unexpected that yeah you have you do have so many so many key losses, coaching staff, and and remember they they fired uh, the offensive line coach uh, Pat Flaherty during the during training camp also. And and so yeah, you just look at how many guys they have they have uh, they have lost um, through whatever means. Um, you start with Kendrick Norton, the defensive tackle, who was in the car accident and had part of his left arm amputated. That was on July fourth, and and to be three and nine right now, it's it's it, it is it is really an incredible story. Again, a second tier NFL story. Nobody's excited about a a three and nine team. I don't think anybody regards this as a better story than Baltimore. But uh, still, a, a, an interesting lower tier NFL story. Uh, you know, I, I think we talked about this earlier, uh, like the, the first time we talked. But um, the rebuild, the, the teardown, the rebuild, just the total tank job. What's what's like next year and the year after going to look like? Do you have any kind of idea, like any indication, like is there is there a plan that they've kind of just kind of said, here's what we're going to try and do, and in five years we're going to be a Super Bowl team? Is this a team that has like some optimism, or, or is it just kind of like? Be patient. Next year, we might get to like four or five wins. Uh, you know, like how long of a rebuild is this going to be? I think it's going to be a long rebuild. Um, I did a story earlier that for whatever reason, um, four victories seems to kind of be the threshold for a quote unquote quick rebuild because there have been um, three teams, the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, 2015 Denver Broncos, 2017 Philadelphia Eagles that had a four-win season, and then five years later, they went on to win a Super Bowl. So, and you look at that, and then the three-win teams, and this is of the last decade also, this is just the last decade. The three-win teams, uh, Carolina is the only one who got to a Super Bowl, uh, but within five years of a of a, of a three or fewer win season. Carolina was a two win season. And uh, so it, it's, it, it just seems like that, that four victory 
line is, is for whatever reason, it's a line of delineation, that four victory mark. And, and so we get back to, to the Dolphins and the quick rebuild. History tells us if they can't get that fourth victory, and it's just one game, it's kind of, you know, it doesn't follow any scientific logic, but if they can't get that, that fourth victory, they're, they're kind of in for a longer rebuild. I will say this, though. Um, you know, I was walking down the tunnel uh, Sunday after, the, I mean, walking down the ramp with the fans. To go, I was going to the locker room. And, uh, you know, a lot of these fans were really geeked up and they're they're taunting the Eagles fans because it was a it was a pro Philadelphia crowd. I mean, the Dolphins got booed when they came out in their home stadium. There were so many Philly fans. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws that interception on the first play and the place just erupts. And, and players were saying that they noticed how many Philly fans were in there. But, you know, the Dolphins fans, after that victory, they, they were kind of sticking their chest out a little bit. And I thought it was interesting that you didn't hear the names Tua Tagovailoa and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert from any of the fans. You did hear that after that Jets victory, which was in Miami, that fans were like, oh, boy, what about our chances to draft Tua and to get a great quarter? They're blowing it. You don't hear that anymore. Now, I think that the tide is kind of turning to, huh, maybe these dudes know what they're doing. You know, Chris Greer and, and Steve Ross and Brian Flores, that I, I think people are kind of looking at this season and the tank job and the rebuild and the draft and the whole thing a little bit differently now. They haven't changed everybody's minds, but I, I think that fans are a little bit more confident about the future now whether or not they draft the quote-unquote franchise quarterback this season that I think now people are saying, all right, well, even if we don't get the quarterback, I trust that they can get the offensive line and defensive line in order, or I trust they can get the secondary or running or, or whatever, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, as far as uh, long rebuild or, or quicker rebuild, um, I don't, you know, I don't know that the fans care about that as much anymore as they do uh, that they they have people in there who know what they're doing or that that's, you know, they appear to know what they're doing. So I, I think the feeling is just a lot more optimistic overall without being as specific as it used to be, because it, you know, coming into the season, it was like, we got to get a quarterback. We got to get a quarterback. And right. now I think the feeling has just kind of shifted to, all right, well, we're, we just need to rebuild this thing. And we trust the, the front office and the coaching staff to, to get this thing done the correct way. Man, who knew? Like, you know, you Brian Flores really, re, I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous with three wins, you know, maybe four by the time the season's over, but coach of the year, man, with like, I mean, we haven't even said Laramie Tunsil's name here either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's right. It's crazy. It's crazy. It, it is, but, you know what, and and you know what that that's come up down here a little bit that you know uh, no Flo is not going to get coach of the year he's 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 you know he's got a yeah four win team at best but look after fifty nine to ten and forty three to nothing nobody thought that that they were going to have three wins and and be bordering on four heck that that's when you brought up the term historically right that's when no these dolphins they could be historically bad you know they. You, you get blown out by Baltimore and the Patriots to start the season. And, and look, uh, a lot of what Flo did, I wasn't even too sure at the start. I liked Flo uh, personally and, and philosophically, but I didn't think that the, the stuff that he was doing and preaching was going to turn into uh, victories necessarily. And then especially 
after you have all the losses, I, you know, the, the, the secondary, Eric Rowe is the only guy who started last week who was a starter in week one. And, yeah, Rashad Jones, gone. Bobby McCain, gone. Minka Fitzpatrick, gone. Xavier Howard, gone. I, how teams don't just pass for 400 yards on the Dolphins, and they have no pass rush. Like, I, I, I don't understand how Flores and Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, are getting this done. And, and I, you know, I've kind of been researching this, and I did talk to Patrick Graham about it today. I talked to Josh Boyer, the cornerback's coach, about it. But really, you know, the Dolphins have a scheme, a defensive scheme that they want to run. And quite often you see these guys, it's almost like hockey substitutions where they're subbing in five guys. And, and you know, a lot of them are defensive backs. And really what the Dolphins have done is they've been able to identify, okay, when we're in the dime package, he's a guy who can defend the tight end or he's a guy who can defend the X wide receiver or we're in when we're in short yardage. This guy excels in our nickel package. And if you have one specific talent or, or knack for doing something, this coaching staff will find it. They'll put you in the game. You'll get your, you know, 15, 20 snaps, whatever it is, 30 snaps in some cases, and, and then they'll get you out of there. You're not going to be out there for, for all 65 uh, defensive snaps or whatever. So, uh, yeah, they, they've done a, a really good job at just bringing every single ounce of talent out of this team that they can. I mean, look, I, I, I questioned early in the season Chandler Cox, the fullback, the seventh-round uh, draft pick out of, out of Auburn, they would have him active for like three plays. And I would be like, well, why doesn't the dude play special teams or anything else? But that's kind of their philosophy. There were, there would be three plays where they needed a fullback and that's what Chandler Cox does. And so it's, it's really kind of an interesting way of, uh, of, of coaching that, that, and, and it's Patriot like, isn't it? I mean that, but they, yeah, they find that's what I'm thinking. Of, yeah, exactly. Talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they will and they will put you in. And so that's what I think that that uh, Dolphins fans have to look forward to uh, when, when they're signing free agents, when they're drafting players, whatever, that if, if you have a neck, a, a talent, a skill, I, I think this coaching staff is going to be able to find it and they're going to they're they're going to be able to uh, wring every ounce of talent they can out of you. And I, I think that's a really good thing that speaks very well for this coaching staff. I love it, man. I uh I don't know. You got a fun four weeks ahead of you, dude. Um, yeah, I think anyway, so, continue. man. I, I think so. I look. I, I mean, here, here's the deal. I mean, do you guys do you think that the Dolphins are going to be favored in any one of these games? I mean, they they could be, right? I mean, if if they win again, then they could be favored against Cincinnati because they're playing them here in Miami. It's just mind boggling to think that that the betting public and and Las Vegas would think that the Dolphins could would be favored, but I. I think it, it might be possible if you look at, at Jets, Giants, and Bengals in these next three. I think favored definitely for the Bengals uh, and possibly beating the Jets or the Giants as a, you know, Patriots probably not, but, you know, it's week yeah. 17. Where they, they might be resting every, they might have it locked up. They might be resting some players. You know, you might get a soft Patriots team in week 17. You never know. Yeah, yeah, no, you never know. I, you know, just, I, boy, I, for the Dolphins to go up to New England and win, which, they haven't died. I think the Wildcat game in, in 08 was the last time they won up in New England, if I'm not mistaken. So even, even if they're trotting out whoever for the Dolphins to go up there or Brian Flores to go up there and Patrick Graham and Chad O'Shaefer, it would it would be uh boy, that that would that would send Dolphins fans into a frenzy. I mean, Ooh. you know, everybody in the nation might not understand, but that would send them into a frenzy. 
We need the Ravens to lose a couple games. Uh, the, maybe the Bills <laughs> to lose like one more. Give the Patriots that solid number one seed. You know, no shot of losing that number one. And then, uh, and then I think maybe you never know, man. You know, like it's their wide receivers are already kind of rough. You know, I'm sure they wouldn't mind resting some guys for a half. You, you know, it's the the Dolphins are a second half team playing from behind, chucking the ball around. Who knows? It could happen. Yeah. It could happen. That 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 would be Fitz magic right there, wouldn't it? That would be that would one thousand percent. Yes. Uh, you can follow Chris Perkins at Chris Perk on Twitter. Uh, obviously, go to the Athletic Miami. Uh, you can follow him as an author if you'd like in the app or on the website. Um, it's all good stuff. He did have a very good uh, applicable to all. If you're not a Dolphins fan, uh, his day in the, the Fox Sports kind of production crew uh, that, that just came out, I believe, this morning. So uh, check it out. Check out Chris. Check out the Dolphins and uh, get excited, man. Four fun weeks coming up. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for joining us again. You're one of the few number twos here we've had back. That's, oh, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I, uh, maybe we can make it, uh, well, I, I would say three third appearance will probably be pre-draft or something like that. Huh? Well, you never if know. Something crazy the... could happen in the next few games. Right. You never know. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. right, thanks, thanks, man. Thank you very much. All right.